Well, good morning and welcome. Gannett hates Saturday, apparently. If I uh, dropped a batch of editions, Keith's going to talk about that. Mm-hmm. Google and Meta, which is Facebook, okay, uh, are screwing their advertisers and, surprise, nobody gave, seems to give a shit. <laughs> I don't know what that's about. And iHeart is doing some squabbling with uh, geo broadcasting, but really, Keith and I ask, do you really need more inventory and sales complexity in radio today? No. <laughs> I don't think so either. All right, we'll get into that in a minute. We're back with another edition of Media Insultant, our opinions and comments on all things media, because we believe you can't operate in the media in a silo. Everything is affecting everything else. You got to know what's going on. So in Seattle, I'm Jackson Weaver. And in California, it's my compatriot, Mr. Keith Samuels. Keith, good morning. And yes, we're doing it without commercial interruption today. <laughs> we couldn't get those spots sold. <laughs> and we welcome you to the Thursday, January 27th edition of Media Insulted. Keith, I know it's hard to believe, or maybe it isn't, but it looks like Google and Facebook have conspired illegally to rape local advertisers and content providers. Okay? But first, <laughs> it looks like we fail to get much good news out of the print business these days, and it looks like we're hearing more glum news from our friends at Gannett. Yeah, something's happened that uh, is going to end Saturday delivery for how many newspapers? Uh, uh, 136 print titles will no longer be printing a Saturday edition. They'll be digital, of course. They'll update their websites and their digital sites, but you're just not going to get the print edition of the Saturday paper in 136 different towns, cities, and burgs serviced by Gannett's newspaper division, which is interesting because their television division, Tegna, was a subject for us on Tuesday. But on the newspaper side, yeah, they're they're cutting they're cutting the printing the print edition. Now this is a huge expense cutting move for a lot of mostly mid to small size markets. They're not doing it for many majors. Just a couple of major markets, or what you'd consider medium markets, uh, are are doing it. But everybody else is getting slashed, and that's because it's expensive to print and expensive to deliver a paper, and so. What better way than to cut one of your weakest ad days, Saturdays, out of the program and just print the rest of the week? And a lot of these papers are, you know, are going to start cutting back if they haven't already weekday editions, like the Wednesday edition and so forth. So, you know, so it's, let me let me ask you, let me interrupt and ask you a question. I don't understand what makes Saturday such a bad ad day. I, you know, it's a great radio day. It's and... the, the two big days for newspapers are Thursday and Sunday. Okay. Okay. Thursday has always been that great weekend retail, weekend supermarket, you know, all driven by, you know, retail shopping. Okay. And then Sunday, obviously, is the big day because everybody's leisurely going through the Sunday paper. But but all print newspapers exist today because every newspaper publisher would love to not have the expense of the guys setting up the newspaper to be printed, the guys running the printing press. And the drivers that they have to pay to deliver the papers. They would love to eliminate that expense completely and be in, entirely digital. And that's where they're heading. But until but but for now, what print editions you do get exist primarily for what little ads they carry, but primarily for the inserts, for the FSIs, 
that are in the newspapers. And so that's where you get money on Thursday. You get money on Sunday because all those things are stuffed in that paper. And those things allow the newspaper, in the print edition anyway, to exist in your market. It's a tough business if you think about it because the capital investment in those printing presses is exactly the same. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. and instead of, you know, if they're running 400,000 copies, it doesn't, it costs them a little more paper, but everything else is capitalized. And so it makes it a tougher and tougher model. I think the only thing that probably is balancing some of it is we're seeing a lot of print facilities centralize their printing right. into one one area, and then they distribute the papers to adjacent communities. Exactly. So, and that cuts down on all those unionized labor guys that are running, right. the, that are setting up the paper to print and that are printing it. And, and probably gets to consolidate the, the delivery, sec, uh, delivery part of it, too. So, I mean, my, my, you know, my Wall Street Journal in the morning is delivered by the same guy that's delivering the L.A. Times and the New York Times to my neighbor. So they're all coming out of the same car every morning. Uh, he's just got a different stack of papers for different people. So, you know, gone are the days when uh, little, little young Jackson and young Keith are riding around the neighborhood with their canvas bag, throwing the newspaper on the, on the front porch at 6 a.m. So that does- well, it's funny you meant, you, you mentioned that because when when I was a kid, we lived in Chicago, and I couldn't live very well on twenty five cents a week allowance that my parents gave me, big spenders that they were. So I got a paper route, an afternoon paper route after school, and I delivered seven different newspapers. Wow, wow! And that's that's how much the business has changed. And today, those you know that same delivery guy is delivering maybe seven different newspapers, but <laughs> one's the the New York Post or the New York Times, one's the Wall Street Journal, one's the Seattle Times, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. It's all the same. Well, and the other, so, and the other thing in, in the newspaper business, too, is that, you know, and we don't talk much about it, but this is the community newspapers, those weekly newspapers you get in Kirkland or in Issaquah or I, I, I don't get here, but, um, you know, and those are delivered by the, by the mailman. So they mail those out. And, they do. And, you know, we're going through this whole thing with the post office. Just last year, they were, they were raising rates and charging more and slowing down delivery and everything else. And, and the biggest squawks I heard were the, those from the community, public, the community newspaper publishers who were going, you know, a, a 15 to 20, you know, 20 cent per paper delivery increase, you know, is, is going to be really tough to, to make up. You know, it's a lot of papers that have to be delivered to help them sell ads to your local uh, retailers. And so it, they're getting squeezed every which way from Sunday. Yeah, and to your point, you know, I think they all at some point feel they really need to be totally digital, and that's where the future lies. And it's a it's a tough future, but it's what they're doing. And, yeah. and you know, that, that leads us into the next story, which is, you know, it's just always tempting. You know, you control 80% of a business, and what do you do? A couple of guys get together and... They collude. So Google and Facebook have gotten together and basically decided to screw the content providers and screw their clients, you know, because they have done some real serious price fixing. So that's pretty much screwing everybody because on one end you have the publishers where they're getting content from and, and selling ads into, and then you get the advertisers who think they're getting a certain audience and paying a fair rate for it. Wow. And they're not. They're, they're and not. They're not. <laughs> You know, the, the truth is the way this programmatic works is so complex that I, I, nobody really understands it. And if they say they do, you know, they're lying to you because it is so complex. In fact, it's so vague that uh, Bob Hoffman, one of our favorites, does a, uh, uh, does a media column. And he was talking the other day about the, what he called the, the revenue funnel for online advertising, where a dollar goes in the top and only about three or four, five, three or three or four cents comes out the bottom in effective advertising. Right. 
And he made the comment, he said, there actually is 15% of that money. Nobody seems to know where it goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a multi-billion dollar business, and nobody knows where 15% of it goes. Anyway, Maybe it goes to Facebook and by, Google. I don't know. Well, and, and they're being sued by the Texas DOJ, and so it will be interesting to see where that goes. What amazes me is nobody's talking about it. It, it just kind of it was a headline, and then it, it just kind of silently goes away. And these guys are, you know, they're really screwing a lot of people, and it's, it's really unfortunate. And, frankly, radio stations and TV stations participate in right. it because we resell Google and Facebook. Yeah, so when your radio rep comes in going, hey, we can do SEO, and we can do your Facebook for you, or we can do your, you know, uh, uh, you know optimization for you, they're basically acting as sales reps for Facebook and Google. And uh, and taking their little cut out of it, and obviously Google and Facebook take a big cut, and so do all the other guys in between. But there's so many guys making so much money in particularly programmatic um, yeah. uh, buying, where this is where computers are doing the buying. You put in your parameters and your budget, and uh, and off it goes. And that's what Bob was describing. Off it goes. Where does it go, and how much actually gets to an audience? And that's where he said three cents out of a dollar gets to an audience. And the people in broadcast and print are uh, are a party to that because they're just they're just ad sellers for that same ad funnel. Now, admittedly, both of these platforms are pretty effective from what advertisers say. They they work. They were targeted. It does make it does seem to work. You know, but but, but Bob Bob is continually beating the drum that there that it doesn't work that much that and that it doesn't get the results that they like to say they get. And, you know, and, and by the way, if you're, if you're in, you know, a lot of big, all, all the big major ad agencies have people, have a team in-house at Facebook, or Facebook has a team in-house with them. So, you know, everybody's in bed on this deal. You know, everybody's getting a piece of the action, and the guys getting screwed are the advertisers, the clients, and the, the content people, the people that are creating the content that, that has the advertising in it. And it's, and it, and, and it, but it's a complex business really complex and lots and lots of layers and it's it's hard for uh, the average joe let alone a politician uh to figure it out you know neil sadaka had the had the answer when he said breaking up is hard to do because <laughs> that really is they, they, DOJ's got to begin to break these guys up a little, you know. Breaking up is hard to do. Neil Sedaka. Well, that or we could, uh, instead of chanting locker up, we could start chanting break them up. Break them up. That's right. <laughs> so radio uh, may be hurting, but to me, I got a question for you. Is addressable advertising something radio needs to better compete, Keith? No. And what we're talking about, just so, just to keep the ball rolling here, is Geo Broadcasting Solutions is a company that offers a way to target specific areas with booster on-channel stations. We've talked about this before. They call it zone casting. So, you know, a, a radio station in Los Angeles has one spot, and another spot plays in Marina del Rey, and maybe another spot plays somewhere up in the mountains, and just totally different content on each one. And But they have to get the FCC to approve this concept because booster stations now cannot deviate at all from their base right. station programming. So, you know, I, these guys have been working on this for 15 years. Mm -hmm. And now they go before the FCC and basically they're whining that iHeart, 
who's the biggest broadcaster in the business, is obstructing their technology. And they go into a real convoluted argument about why that's the case and, and does also seem that most radio groups are opposing this new technology. Yeah. But, you know, in a day when everybody else is doing targeted audiencing or targeted advertising and getting, you know, well, you can deliver this zip code and not that zip code with streaming, with OTT, with, with uh, banner ads, how does radio just walk away from this, Keith? Well, I think you walk away from it because your audiences are going to be so small and 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 your rates are going to have to be commensurately smaller. So, you know, when you're sell, if you if you have a if you're out selling ads to a guy in Marina del Rey, um, you know, you're going to have to have the Marina del Rey rate, which is, you know, what, a dollar 50, you know, versus the big LA rate, big metro rate, which could be 500, 700 dollars. So what's the point of chasing after all these little guys to sell a few spots in Marina del Rey? It, it was even hard back in the day to sell Orange County because we had for a long time an Orange County ratings book. Arbitron, back in the time before they were Nielsen, had L.A. Metro, which was L.A. County and Orange County. Okay, That's the Metro. That's the, that's the metrics that we used. But then they came out with a book for Orange County only. And boy, you know, I remember we were number yeah. one in Orange County. We'd run down and make our sales calls in Orange County. I did the same thing with the South King County book or South King County breakouts, you know, that we used to do in Seattle. Um, and you'd go down and, and it was like, but I was still trying to sell it at the rate for the whole city, the whole market. So the guys, only a few guys in Orange County could afford that. And the, and the, the guys that were Orange County based were buying the local newspaper. They were buying the local radio station whatever. Cable came along, they, they bought the cable zone. But those are all priced accordingly, okay? The guys selling radio in Orange County at KWYZ and KEZY were not getting the rate that I was getting at KNX-FM up in L.A., okay? Not even freaking close. And, you know, the same thing. Sparky Taft up at his, his family stations up in, in Everett used to sell the heck out of Snohomish County because they were a heck of a lot cheaper than what I could sell. Even though my station at KMPS had bigger numbers, he was selling it, you know, for a, a buck a holler and a handshake, and it was the local guy. So, you know, for radio to expend all this energy to be able to micro-target, I think, ends up being uh, a detriment to their overall sales efforts and certainly to their revenue. And a lot of headaches to try to traffic all that stuff. I don't, it doesn't make any sense to me. Well, and let's let's face it. Philosophically, it fails to capture what, in, and I think, in our opinion, is radio's biggest benefit, which is reach, top of the funnel. You know, you're constantly reeducating people about you know that what you what you've got in the marketplace, and that's radio's function, and it works well for that, or it has worked well for that. And you know, I think again, like next gen TV, everybody's getting caught up in the data, data, data stuff. Instead of going back to the core value of reach, and, you know, of reach, of, of big reach, of reach, of reach, and that is radio's big benefit. Yeah, so, you know, so, you, so here in Southern California, you have you have a station like KFI, and KFI reaches everything from the Mexican border practically up to you know to past Santa Barbara. Well, they're not sending reps up to Santa Barbara to sell time to some car dealer in Santa Barbara, or the same thing down to you know, uh, you know, La Jolla to sell somebody down there. But if you're a big national advertiser, if you're a big local advertiser or regional advertiser, you, you love that added value of that big audience reach that you get on KFI. Even though you're only buying the LA Metro, you're getting a big total market coverage. And 
that's another reason why those guys are, are you know, out billing everybody else because they're targeting big. Yeah. 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 And, and they can, they can, they can deliver it. And that, that is, that is a, a real big point. I think one of the uh, two other issues on this one is it doesn't affect AM stations because there's no way to do this. Right. But I think also uh, it, there should be some real serious signal interference issues in, in a lot of markets. So I, I don't know. It's going to be really interesting to see how the FCC rules on it. They've spent years and years and years. They've done test markets. They say it works. But the whole broadcast industry seems, including the NAB, I might add, yeah. seems to be opposed to it. All right, Keith, we've uh, done it again. We've blown another <laughs> Thursday. I'm afraid that's wrap. we got to go. Media Insultant, however, is a production of in-town media. Got to get our plug in here. We do contract interim management for radio stations. And we produce this program to inspire confidence in our abilities. Though that may not be working. <laughs> Yours may be. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you can find our podcast anywhere. The videos we post each Tuesday and Thursday on Vimeo. Keith, until we do this again next Tuesday, have a good week. Happy trails, Jackson. Good to see you. Have a good weekend. <laughs>